a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Bear River Lodge. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Welcome back for another edition of KSL Outdoors Radio. Good morning. It is a brand new day, and it's, as always, a pleasure to have you. Just a reminder, we're recording this program on Thursday for your enjoyment here on Saturday morning. But we've got a lot to do, a lot of ground to cover over the next few hours. So uh, we're grateful that you're here. I'm in the studios of uh, Broadcast House in downtown Salt Lake City. Nice, uh, sunny Thursday out there with uh, some haze building up. But it looks like there's another round of storms coming on Monday. We'll get you ready for that. Uh, Russ Smith, again, is out this week for Family Matters. But uh, Mike Navidomskis, old Navi, is back with us from Kaysville, settling into the, uh, I'm sure, the recliner at this point. You know, there's no coming back. I never left. <laughs> well, back with me this week. It's not like we got you in the chair all week. You're a busy guy. You're retired now, so you don't have any free time. You're, it's, it's all it's all busy time. <laughs> well, um, I tell you what, I'm doing this fly fishing class, and I'm absolutely sure this is the end. I'm I'm not as good as I used to be. I'm not as witty. I'm not as sharp. I'm not as flamboyant. Um, I'm just getting through it, and I decided that I'm not doing it at that level anymore. Well, so. you said one of the reasons for doing it was you wanted to shoot video of it so that it's right. available online. Right. Well, I've, that's happening. I don't know how good I am. And, um, you know, I have to stand in the same spot because they put an X on the floor when I'm being taped, which, yeah, that isn't how I roll. I'm over here talking to students and over there, and then my, my director's like pointing to the spot where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> So I go back to the spot and, and try to stand there, but it definitely, well, I think it's just time to quit. I mean, retirement, like every boxer wants to get back in the ring until they get pummeled a good time, and then they realize <laughs> they need to sit at home. So you're saying you leave the classroom a little beat up after these uh, these sessions these days? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I come home and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. Well, and I know you. Here's the other thing. Uh, it, it interrupts your fun. Uh, you used to have fun doing it. Maybe it's not as much fun anymore. I don't know. You can answer that. But it, it sort of uh, clogs up your schedule when you had other things on the calendar. It makes me worry about things. Um, the best part about retirement is you don't have to worry about all the parameters and all the variables that you don't have control over. And here I am worrying about it again. i got to go up with a sledgehammer on Friday and break the dang river because it's frozen and i got students showing up. So those are things I have to worry about when I was retired. But for the week and a half I was retired, I didn't worry about anything, and I loved it. Yeah. 
Well, uh, you've been skiing a lot. I know that over the last week, and these temperatures have been bitterly cold, which was going to lead me into a whole conversation with you this morning. We sort of simply couch it as no no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. But when it's zero outside, and then you get to the top of the mountain and the wind is blowing, you need some specialized gear, some specialized clothes to help keep you warm these, uh, this time of year. See, we're never going to agree on this. I thought the best skiing of the year was this week. Well, yes, snow it quality. Was cold. Sn- it was so cold. Yeah. But but you know what? I didn't feel cold because I know how to dress and I put on the. I told my wife, I said, this layer I put on today, I've never used. This is a deeper layer. But it was, I was warm. I was awesome. The music was great. There's not a person on the mountain and the sun was shining and the snow was unbelievable. All right. So. I loved this cold. It keeps everybody away, and I just put on one more layer than normal. (laughs) Yeah. So you're looking at other things that take the edge off, like the music, like uh, the lack of crowds, because there aren't people that are as crazy as you are. Uh, But the snow conditions are always great because the snow holds up so well when the temperatures are this cold. That makes for great skiing. I I get all of that, but, you know, there are people out there that don't go and and have all of those reasons for being in the outdoors. They might have a little bigger struggle staying warm this time of year. Are you saying those people meeting you, right? No. I mean, I was (laughs) right there with you. You get to the top and the wind's blowing on the lift, and I I can see you're struggling a little bit, but... You know, I like to embrace it. I think, oh, man, check this out. This wind is howling here. You know, I don't know. I see things differently. Here's my thing. I know that we're going to be out of the wind as soon as we get down on the run and you're, you know, mid-mountain or something. So that's, I know it's going to be short-lived. But I like to be able to see things. And when the snow is drifting and the snow is falling sideways, that's not anybody's idea of a good time when you can't see. Um, Well, they call me nobody because... Yeah, yeah. I do like that. If I had my choice, I think I would almost prefer that because people don't—they're not there. Like I, we, Gail and I skied. Um, we didn't ski yesterday. I had fly fishing day before, and it was seven. The temperature was seven, and I looked down the run, and there's nobody. And I'm like, "Follow me, Gail." And she's like, "Well, we need to go faster now because <laughs> there's just two of us, and you need to pick harder runs because there's just two of us." And I'm like, I married the right person because I see this as an epic opportunity, not troublesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I would just uh, say again, there's a reason why there's only two of you on the (laughs) 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 I'm more the norm than you are at that point. But anyway, uh, as we speak, you're going to have your uh, class out on the river, I think, uh, today, aren't you? That's correct. Um, it's Saturday, even though we're taping it on Thursday, and we have, I've got, I don't know, 35 students out here in the cold. Um, hopefully the river will be flowing. They've raised the water, um, definitely letting it out now. they got an idea that there's going to be a good runoff. So, yeah, I haven't broken the ice yet, but hopefully by this time the ice is floated down the river because I beat it up with my sledgehammer. Back to the weather side of things, um, what do you tell your students that are headed out as far as dressing goes for these for these conditions? And it's going to be a little warmer, by the way, this weekend. Well, I tell them if their hands are cold, it's because their hat is weak, okay? I tell them to overheat their torso, and you can't overheat it too much. So levels and layers around the torso, that's what warms the hands, not gloves. And... Um, and that's what I tell them. I go, don't underestimate the cold. You could always take stuff off. You just can't add stuff yeah. on. So 
I tell them, you know, dress warm and, and um, the fish don't care. They're already wet and they like it and they're eating anyway. So if you want to catch them, it's a great time to do it. And like I say, it's it's just a matter of how much you put on. I mean, that's a real easy formula. Uh, speaking of catching fish, I posted on our Facebook page, and we'll talk about this when we uh, get into fish bites in the next half hour, three new records that have been set just in the last little while. Uh, December, looks like December 26th, December 30th, and then one they snuck in here that I guess has now officially been uh, declared as a, a record for the state. So we'll share some of those with you. But the pictures really tell all the story. If you get a chance to look us up on Facebook, it's just KSL Outdoors Radio. So we'll do that uh, coming up. We also, in the next half hour, are going to be checking in with the Division of Wildlife, as we always do. Um, we will uh, be talking with Johnny Neal, who is a wildlife recreation program specialist. That annual Snow Goose Festival is coming to uh, Gunnison Reservoir down there uh, just south of Delta. And something that Russ and I had the chance to experience several years ago. And if you uh, want to put it on the calendar, it's a great wildlife thing to actually take in with the entire family. Next half hour, we're anxious to talk with Travis Watt from the Three Bear Lodge. And I think Alma Clark may also jump into the conversation from West Yellowstone. Have you had reports of snow up there? I haven't. uh, But my guess is they've been hit pretty good. Yellowstone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not as much as you would think. We're getting more here. Hmm. So um, they've been out of that line of that that river um, that everybody talked about. And that's why river. Mickey was down last weekend, because they don't have snow. We got all of it. Well, I have great memories of riding, because you can ride snowmobiles on the streets there in West Yellowstone, but I have great memories of riding um, snowmobiles down the middle of the road in West Yellowstone some winters ago and not even being able to see the front doors of any of the businesses because the snow is piled so high. Uh, but we'll find out about uh, what kind of a season they're having and some of the fun things that are happening up at West when we uh, check in in the next half hour. And then I was thinking the other day about uh, snow day segments, and I ran across, just stumbled across it on my computer at home, a uh, interview, a couple of them actually, that I did when Becky and I went to Chamonix, France. And I want to share, uh, revisit that from a couple of years ago about our experiences. We got ready to go to Chamonix, France for uh, those that have it on the bucket list. I know you do. You and Gail still have that uh, trip in mind, but we'll talk about some of the skiing opportunities there in Chamonix, how to access it, things to look for, things to be prepared for. If you want to do that. And Roger Eggett from Bear River Lodge will join us, the sponsor of this program. He was out last week with uh, an all-women's snowmobile ride that they made a weekend of, and I'm anxious to get a follow-up on that. So lots to do. Stay with us. We'll come back and have news of the week for you coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. 
What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Time for a little news of the week, and then we'll get your news update on the half hour and take you to West Yellowstone. Looking forward to talking with Johnny Neal, or excuse me, uh, talking with uh, Travis Watt from Three Bear Lots. Johnny uh, will join us from the Division of Wildlife next hour, and we'll talk about the Snow Goose Festival. Nami, I don't know, uh, since you've been busy on the uh, mountain lately, if you saw any, or maybe you got caught in in some of the uh, traffic from elk that were coming down into the valley. Did you see that story yes, Wednesday, Thursday? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And it was on the freeway thing. Yeah. It said elk on the road, you know, stops, uh, expect frequent stops. Yeah. We were talking, was it a week ago, we had Mark Hadley on, and they were talking about the fact that they were doing some uh, feeding of uh, herds because of, you know, the deep snow is making it tough for them to find food in some places around the state, and they're concerned about the uh, yearlings. But dozens of elk, and they numbered, I guess, anywhere from uh, 20 to 30 in a herd on I-215, I-80 interchange, and then we had more, I think, 60 or 70 of them that showed up around noon uh, she's, uh, this was a, a quote, I think from, uh, Faith Jolly, who joins us from time to time saying that, uh, most of the elk are by the Salt Lake County golf course. This was Wednesday, Thursday, uh, which is close to the freeway. So they shut the freeway down for a while and it's caused all kinds of problems, but it also, uh, caused quite an opportunity to see, see these elk as they were trying to find a safe way to get across, uh, the roads and stuck between fences and, and some of the guardrails on the roads this past week. You know, um, I think that we, as humans, need to develop a better relationship because we've started to put these underpasses and overpasses, but that needs to become more of a thing. Those those animals need to get out of the snow once we get it and get out on the golf course and be safe and cross those, you know, because they'll kill you. They don't mean to, but they're so big when you hit them. Yeah. It's very dangerous to hit an elk. So, yeah, we got to think about how we can allow them to get to what was the lowlands before we were here and they could, you know, thrive. And I think we will. I think we're getting better at everything. Every time I go by those passes, underpasses at Park City, I always look at them. They're kind of hidden. I like how they've camouflaged them, you know. But that's so helpful. And there's a strong movement, I don't know if you heard about this, to try to make a corridor that goes from literally from Arizona to Canada where animals can easily operate without dealing with freeway systems. Yeah. Well, and they use these kinds of incidences as uh, part of their planning on where they need to put these uh, bridges in for wildlife. And so uh, I would imagine that this is going to be another one of those examples that they'll look down the road and see where they may be able to make some improvements. Sadly, uh, four elk died from vehicle collisions I did not see that uh, we had injured drivers, but uh, that certainly, as you said, because of their size, their sheer size, wouldn't be a surprise this past week either. But the division also put something on their Facebook page that I wanted to pass along because it's not just deer or elk that you're going to find on the roads. Once there is a uh, a deer or an elk that's been taken out by a car, then you have all of these uh, scavengers that show up, and among them, and they actually did a story on this, were a couple of eagles that were there, right. you know, just to feed on the carcass. And uh, they can cause all kinds of other problems on the road. 
and brings them close to moving vehicles, and they're a protected species, so you start to worry about that. But you'll often see them perch near the roads, and then uh, they'll fly in, grab what they can quickly, and then get back out of the way. But it's one more thing for you to keep in mind as you're traveling around Utah, particularly the northern part of the state this time of year with the snow that we've had. Yeah, you know, that scavenger thing has always been a thing. If you're looking for bear, I don't know if you like to go out and find bears, but what you do is you watch the crows and you watch the birds because that's their livelihood. They they go to those kills and they, they'll feast for a week or two, and that's just how they operate. So it makes perfect sense that that's what's happening on our roads. And it's just another reason for considering wildlife when we develop our lives as humans. Yeah. Um, this number kind of surprised me, though, as a part of that story from the division, which I've shared on our Facebook page. Hawkwatch International says upwards of 75 eagles are hit on Utah's roads alone every year. I wouldn't have expected the number to be that high. but anyway. All right. That's crazy. Yeah, 75. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll get a news update on the half hour. On the other side, we are headed to West Yellowstone and uh, may hopefully get Alma Clark on also with us. Uh, with us from uh, West Yellowstone, and we'll find about some of the city activities that are taking place up there. Stay with us. More of KSL Outdoors Radio just ahead. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. 